The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Double duty tonight. Duty. Duty. Duty is also an interesting way of describing how the Montreal Canadiens played against the Detroit Red Wings tonight, losing five to nothing. Hello and welcome to episode uh, seventy-eight of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast, presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and I'm on double duty. I recorded a podcast earlier about uh, Riley Kidney and the Gets No Any Pick. And uh, Jared Book was supposed to take over for me today, but he's a little bit busy editing a significantly large article that he's very excited about that's going to be coming out tomorrow on Habs Eyes and the Prize. So also keep an eye out for that. EOTP, independent, and we're bringing the content like never before. Now, I recorded the game because, you know, it's been years since I missed the Montreal Canadiens game. And... <laughs> I decided to get home from the Sea Dogs Olympic game and uh, take a peek to see what I missed. I knew the score was 5 nothing, so I already knew what the result was, and I expected it to suck, and it sucked even fucking worse than I could have imagined. That game was horrendous. I refuse to do a recap the way that I normally would. I'll just quickly run through all of the scorers for Detroit. So Lucas Raymond opened up the scoring in the first period. Um, David Perron later on in the period. I think about midway through the period, uh, he ended up scoring as well. And in the second period, it was Matt Luff and then Joe Valeno. And then David Perron again in the third period to make it 5 nothing. The Montreal Canadiens offering very, very little resistance to the Detroit Red Wings in this one. The shots on goal were actually super low. Like, this was a low-event game. It wasn't just a bad game to watch. It was low-event. Like, the, the the Red Wings had, like, 21 shots. The Habs had 25. I think 25. I'm not, I'm not positive. Let me go double-check that. Go to the website, NHL.com. Of course, 24 shots. I was incorrect. 24 shots is all the Montreal Canadiens could muster in this one. Caden Primo got the start for Montreal. He's on a call-up right now because Jake Allen's injured. And it's it feels tanky to put him in there. But let's go through the goals real quick and see whether or not he was to blame. Lucas Raymond got the first one. Okay, That was an absolute snipe. Um, you could say that you want Caden Primo to have that one, but he's coming in off the rush and he shoots it from the high slot and just yeah, he just zips it right past his head. Maybe Primo went down a little bit early. I guess you could say, but I can't really charge that one to him. I'm willing to say that one's a wash. Perron, the second goal of the first period, that was a beautiful stretch pass. I forget who made the stretch pass, but Perron goes in all alone, goes to the backhand and beats him. Again, that's basically that's basically a penalty shot. 
which, you know, if you watch any shootouts in the NHL, you know, sometimes it's 50-50. You could have a goaltender playing his absolute best night and he's going to get beat on some of those breakaways. So again, I'm not willing to charge that one to Caden Primo. I'll call that one a wash. That was a 50-50 play. Matt Luff, he was coming out. Well, no, he was standing in the slot, right? And I forget who it was. One of his teammates was coming out of the corner with the puck and Primo tries to, he takes a stab at it. He's trying to poke check it away. And then it bounces back off the shin pads into the slot. Matt Luff jumps on it and puts it in. I can't charge that one to Primo because nobody picked up Matt, Matt Luff in the slot. They just let him stand there. I mean, he's st- he's just standing there. Nobody's doing anything about it. It's like, okay, we're just going to let you hang out there until the puck happens to come to you, and then you can just bang it in. No problem, man. No worries. Michael Pizzetta, like, skated down and landed a hit um, when realistically that was, as far as I'm concerned, that was his guy. He comes out of position to basically just to lay somebody out. Uh, it's not a good not a good look. I'm not charging that one to Primo. Valeno's goal. That one was on the power play. It was Wallman with a shot from the point, and Valeno's standing in front of the net, and he gets a tip on it. I Again, I cannot charge that to Caden Primo. Number one, it's a power play. Number two, it's a tip in front of the net. I'm, I can't really charge that to anyone. I'm not too upset about the way the Habs were playing. They had a pretty decent setup. I mean, they were they were running like a diamond formation, not quite properly boxing them out, and they weren't challenging too much at the point, which I don't love. But look, it's a power play, right? Sometimes you get scored on when you're killing penalties. It happens. So I don't really charge that one to anybody. And then the last one, uh, Perron's second goal of the game, he's parked out front with, again, nobody covering him. Parked out front. Pass into the slot, low slot, and he just taps it in. I felt like Primo was a little bit low in his net, on that one or in his crease rather I felt like he maybe could have come out to challenge that a little bit more I felt like he didn't need to necessarily be hugging his post with his foot the way he was but again a guy parked in the low slot all alone with a pass that comes to him like that it's going to be tough to stop even if you're in perfect position it'll be easier to to make an attempt if you're in perfect position which he wasn't let's be honest but that's five goals and I can't really charge any of them to Primo so I don't think that putting him in here was the the thing that tanked them. I think the Habs played like garbage. The refs were garbage. <laughs> let's let's be honest. You know I like to complain about the refs. They called a roughing penalty on one, at one point. Man, it was off a center ice draw, and it was against Denis Gurianov. Okay, he's jousting with Austin Zarnik, and he's basically just trying to skate past him, and he kind of barely brushes his face with like his upper arm. Like not it's not an elbow. And they call him for roughing. It's like you're you're we're really calling two minutes now for trying to skate past the guy. Are you serious? Mike Matheson's roughing that they called earlier in that period. I didn't love that one either. Uh, I sped through this game. I'll be honest. Like I was skipping through the commercials, so I got through it pretty quick. But look, didn't love the refs. Did not love the effort from the Montreal Canadiens whatsoever. This felt like them trying to lose a game. But I'm not pissed off. I might sound pissed off, but I'm not. It's perfectly fine that they're not trying to win games right now. It's, In fact, it's optimal. The Arizona Coyotes are on an eight-game losing streak. An eight-game losing streak. You heard that right. And they don't have nearly the same degree of difficulty in their schedule that the Montreal Canadiens do right now. You want to tell me that there's no tanking in hockey? I will point you to the fucking standings right now and the records of each team that are in the bottom six. Gary Bettman, you want to tell me there's no tanking in hockey? Do you seriously want to tell me that there's no tanking in hockey? Anybody who's listening right now, 
do yourself a favor if you're you know on a computer or something or if uh, you're if you're listening in your car don't do it but any anything else that you're doing if you're sitting down somewhere and it's safe for you to do so go to tankathon.com slash nhl okay and you can go take a look and it'll show you uh the draft lottery odds for everybody and you'll see honestly if you go from ninth last down even the washington capitals are on a four game losing streak vancouver three game losing streak philadelphia four arizona eight montreal four anaheim eight chicago eight i know these are bad teams but at this point in the year for that many teams in the bottom to be losing that heavily what like this is tanking it's absolutely tanking and it's fine it's just hilarious to me that you have people at the top of the league saying there is no tanking. We have a draft lottery to avoid tanking. Of course, it fucking reduces the effectiveness of tanking. Yeah, it does. Because you're not guaranteed Connor Bedard if you finish dead last like Chicago is right now. You're not. You have a 25.5% chance at, at Connor Bedard, which is definitely great. You take it. Right, if you're gonna be out of the playoffs anyways, you might as be you might as well be so out of the playoffs that you have the best possible odds at a generational talent. You might as well. But like, I don't ever want to hear anybody from the fucking NHL tell me ever again there's no tanking in hockey. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. I'm looking at a whole bunch of teams that are doing it right now. A, a bunch of teams, and then San Jose, who inexplicably have gone on a three-game winning streak of late. They got. 59 points uh montreal's got 66 so i think you know san jose basically has to win out from this point and montreal lose out in order for them to jump into fourth last um which seems possible if given their effort against the red wings but um that's the only team that seems like they're trying to win games in the bottom seven bottom eight bottom nine of the league is san jose uh, which is odd because they, at one point, uh, recently had the pole position for, for Connor Bedard. So, uh, look, there's absolutely tanking in hockey. And again, I'm not mad at the Habs for tanking. I'm not mad. Uh, it, it makes sense. I think they got to try to keep pace with Arizona from here on out. Arizona is clearly trying to leapfrog them and get into that top five zone. Uh, we need to stop that from happening. Arizona doesn't deserve a better chance at Connor Bedard. Arizona plays in a high school arena. It's a fucking high school arena. I don't care what anybody says. I know it's an NCAA arena technically. doesn't matter. It holds about as many people as the arena where I played high school hockey. So, it's a high school arena. Moreover, when you look at the top five in this draft, the Habs, if they're at fifth overall, they're going to have a chance at a number of different players that could be huge pieces for them moving forward. They're going to have a shot at um, Zach Benson, maybe Will Smith. Um, there's a possibility. I know it sounds crazy, but you never know what happens in the draft. What if Leo Carlson falls to fifth overall? What if Matt Mitchkov falls to fifth overall? You have some extremely good players at the top end of this draft. You want to stay ahead of Arizona for the odds. Number one, because that lottery, right? There's a generational player up for grabs in Connor Bedard. You could also move up to second overall and end up getting Adam Fantilli or Leo Carlson if you feel like he's the better option. There's a lot of possibilities. And... We, we want to stay in that in that five spot. We, we, we need to stay in that five spot. We got to keep pace with Arizona. So games like this against the Red Wings, they're going to happen. They're going to suck to watch. I'm glad I didn't sit down and watch it live. I'm very thankful that I watched a, a great game in St. John, actually, instead of that. 
but then I came home and subjected it myself to it anyway, so I'm an idiot. Um, the only thing that did piss me off tonight, big time, is that the Florida Panthers won, and now they're in a playoff spot. Now they're in 18th last. <laughs> so their pick will not be a lottery pick, and as a matter of fact, it's 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 a playoff pick, so who knows where it actually ends up landing. Um, look, the Pittsburgh Penguins, if they can't turn it around in the final stretch of the season here and keep Florida out of the playoffs, if the New York Islanders can't turn it around and keep Florida out of the playoffs, I am going to wish so much ill will on those two teams. I hope if the Pittsburgh Penguins don't make the playoffs that Sidney Crosby demands a trade the day after the season is over. I hope on the way out that he torpedoes his value by refusing to be traded to any of the teams that offer the most for him. I hope that Evgeny Malkin says, I fucking retire and I'm going to the KHL. I hope that your franchise goes into a dark age from which you never recover if you guys can't keep Florida out of the playoffs. New York Islanders. I'm hoping all of the same terrible things for you. I hope Matt Barzell demands a trade and then says, I refuse to play for any American team. And you can only trade me to Canadian teams and none of the Canadian teams want to trade for him. And you get a fifth round pick for him or something stupid. That's not going to happen. But I but I hope it does. <laughs> I, I hope horrible things for both of your franchises. If you can't do us this one favor, we need Florida to miss the playoffs so that we know exactly where that pick should be or around where it's going to be and that's it i think it's a pretty simple request as for florida oh well i hope if you guys do make the playoffs that you lose in a sweep in the first round in horribly embarrassing fashion i hope you lose nine nothing every game and then i hope matthew kachuk demands a trade and puts you really over a barrel because he can't figure out because now he's it's two different teams he's demanded a trade from. Nobody's going to want to trade for him. And I hope it becomes a gigantic controversy that everybody talks about for months and it's a will he, won't he, and then you end up trading him for fucking Ben Sherratt. I hope you get Ben Sherratt back in return. And I hope that's all you get. Ben Sherratt and a seventh round pick. Maybe you can have a washing machine and a bag of pucks too. <laughs> well, that's what pissed me off tonight. Um, silver lining of the night. Wow. Can't believe that I got 14 minutes into a podcast without even doing my silver lining of the night. And man, is it hard to think of anything positive from that game. And so I won't. I'm going to go with Riley Kidney. I had a nice brief conversation with him. If you haven't heard it yet, uh, you can check the channel. Uh, it'll be the episode directly below this one because I recorded it before I did this. Um, look, he had one assist in a losing effort uh, against the St. John Sea Dogs, but the game before that, he had six points in a big win for them. So uh, this is a guy that we need to start getting excited about as Montreal Canadiens fans. I know he was a little bit under the radar, second-round pick, not a guy that people really had in that upper echelon of the Habs prospect pool, but look, if you want to hear more about him, uh, go check on the next episode. I'll end this one now. Um, look, he's my silver lining of the night because I got to go watch him live. I thought he played a good game. He didn't agree with me on that. He thought that his entire team played badly in that one. But look, that's your silver lining. It's Riley Kidney. It's the fact that this team has a prospect pool that should see them having better games in the near future. That's it for this one. We're running 15 and a half minutes. So, c'est une soirée typique pour les employés de soutien. 
We're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.